you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There we go. When they are these things, and that makes it official, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. We certainly appreciate you guys being part of it. As always, the Chris Moss Show is a family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law. We bring you the CEOs, the billionaires, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the astronauts, the U.S. ambassadors, White House presidential advice. We just had on one last month. Congress members, all the smartest, brilliant minds on the planet, none of which are me. That's why we have guest people, so we can have... Really brilliant people on the show. And uh, we have another one today, and she's an author as well and leader, consultant. We're going to be talking to her about what she does. But in the meantime, please, for the love of God, will you further show to your family, friends, and relatives already? Go to goodreads.com forward says Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com forward says Chris Foss. Subscribe to that big LinkedIn newsletter. I think it crosses another thousand. I think there's like 8,000 people following it now today as of today. The 130,000 group on LinkedIn and uh, all the other places, you know. We're on the internet. I get tired of saying the thing. I need to hire that. I need to hire the iron lady to sing the plugs. We have an amazing young lady on the show today, and we'll be talking to her about what she does. Rosie Zelinskis is on the show with us today. She's a certified high performance coach. Her book, which came out last year, is called Engaging Speakers, Voices of Truth, April 18th, 2022. It's a compilation of amazing and engaging speakers and their stories of impact in the world and what they have done. With her, we're going to be talking to her today. She lies at the heart of No Woman Left Behind Initiative, and it's a beacon of hope. I love beacons of hope. Was it Beacon of Hope that was Joan F. Kennedy? There you go. An empowerment for women navigating the corporate world. More than just an advocate, Rosie is a certified high-performance coach who pours her passion into transforming the professional lives of women. Her vibrant brand is a treasure trove of resources featuring the uplifting No Women Left Behind podcast, personalized career-building services, a warm and supportive mentoring community, and insightful consultancy. Rosie's nurturing voice also shines in the best-selling book we aforementioned. Welcome to the show, Rosie. How are you? I'm doing very well, Chris, and I'm very happy to be talking to you today. It's wonderful to have you as well. Give us your dot-coms. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, the primary place is my website, nowomanleftbehind.com. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook as Rosie Career Coaching. So you're kind of like the Marines for women. You know how the you know, no yes, like that. absolutely. <laughs> you got it, Chris. You got me. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's a great policy. No one, no one left behind. So give us a 30,000 overview of what, what, what your contribution to that book was. And of course, what you do there at your office. Absolutely. So what I do is I empower women in the corporate space to create their custom career roadmap so that they can boost their confidence and overcome those professional obstacles. And what what's going in my or what went into my book is my story of realizing and understanding that I was holding myself back and I didn't even realize that I was doing that by not speaking up and letting the executives at the insurance 
insurance company that I worked with, that I was ready to move into a management leadership role. And then once I said that, things started happening. And for my next promotion, I did things completely different. So that's a a 30,000 feet view. There you go. What do you find most women, maybe, I, I, I don't know if you want to separate by young and old, or if you're seeing a difference in the generationals, you know, sometimes the generations have the sort of different issues or things that they're expecting. What are, what are you seeing right now is like the top sort of issues women are facing in the workforce? Yeah, I think one of the main things is that I'm a Gen X. Back in the day, we could not talk salary. They told you that if you talked about salary, it was grounds of termination. And now these young women are talking about it and they're sharing. Mm -hmm. There's also all kinds of transparency laws. I'm I'm here in Chicago and actually the salary transparency laws coming in January of 2025 to Mm -hmm. Illinois. So it's slowly but surely seeping. But they're the younger generation. They're not afraid to talk about salary. So to me, that's the biggest game changer for them. And it, it and why is it important to be aware of salaries and what's going on in other people's salaries? I think there's some states. I think New York has made it so that things have to be open and published, don't they? Yes, they do. New York City. So not all of New York, but New York City for sure. Well, so one of the main things that I do is try to teach women that awareness of their career, not leaving their career on on autopilot is critical. And one of the things is doing research. And if you don't know what other people are making, you're never going to be able to shoot for that particular range. So it's just really important for you to kind of not be behind the eight ball from the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. One of the evil things that we're seeing companies do was, I mean, they, you know, they put out these, you know, Hey, we're hiring and they wouldn't disclose how much they pay. And you go through, you know, hours of interviews and wasting your time doing all this stuff. And then they're like, Oh, it's 10 bucks an hour. Eh? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, what the, that would have been nice yeah. to know up front. And I thought that was just the evilest thing I'd ever seen in business in a long time. Yeah, that's why I'm excited that that pay transparency law is coming to Illinois in 2025 oh, because, really? yes, mm-hmm. it's it's so important for people. Now, obviously, there's things that employers are going to be able to do to get around that. But for the most part, new position published, it, mm-hmm. it's going to have the range, the yeah. salary range right on there. One of my, there was a company, it was my friends at Buffer. It's a, it's a company that was a social media share. They're one of the first people that really kind of put their foot down about transparency. And this is, I think in the 2010s, probably very early 2010-ish, 10,011-ish. We've had it, we had the CEO on the show, but they did a lot of innovations for culture that was really interesting. And I, I think he would fall in the millennial crowd, but one of the things they came up with was publishing everyone's salaries where everybody in the office could see what everyone's salary was, which is pretty bravo. I remember we talked about it on the show and I was like, you got some gonads there. Cause you know, that's yes. going to be some conversations. Taking Absolutely. That was a trailblazer there. Yeah. And it made, it made for some pretty good and, and it seemed to kind of kick off. I don't know if they were the start of it, but it seemed like they were, it kind of kicked off this whole attitude of maybe being transparent about wages and pay is important and you know making sure there's equity and inclusion which is a big deal these days and all that give us a little bit about your background tell us a little bit about you what was your upbringing what got you into the corporate world and and down this road of doing your own consulting 
Yeah, absolutely. So I just ended my 31 year corporate career just this oh. last September. And Prior to that, I was in the insurance and property and casualty insurance industry the entire time. I was primarily my, my discipline was underwriting. So I'm very analytical. I went to the University of Illinois for actuarial science. So very math oriented analytical. And when I was in the corporate world, I was a, I'm a first born American. Uh, my parents are 100% Mexican, mm. both born in Mexico. I know I don't look it, Chris, but I am 100% Mexican. So I always get my whole life. Are you met, right? You're really Mexican? Yes, 100%. I can speak it, read it, write it, all that stuff. Mm. But we went back and forth from the US to Mexico City, because my dad had family in both places and every three or four years he's oh i've had enough of this place we're going to go back to mexico <laughs> oh i've had enough of this place we're going to go back to either texas or, or illinois and i never had roots anywhere and oh. when i when i started working i was like i'm not going anywhere anymore i'm going to stay put <laughs> and so obviously how you grow up is kind of why you are the way you are mm -hmm. as an adult. But all of that going back and forth really made me resilient. It made mm -hmm. me malleable. It made me basically resourceful because I had to be. When I started high school, my mom had no clue what was going on with high school because we came from Mexico. And the first day of freshman year, people were like, oh, wow, you're going you're gonna to be class of 1987. You're going to be seniors of 87. And I was like, I have no clue what you guys are telling me because I was speaking <laughs> Spanish 100%. And I oh, saw wow. this girl with a t-shirt and it was like Huey Lewis in the news. So I was like, I have no idea. I'm like, what is that? She's like, duh, it's a band. And uh, then I started watching MTV because I needed uh, to be in the know. That'll Americanize you right there. Absolutely. Yeah, but all of that back and forth really made me want to fit in and mm -hmm. understand what was going on. I graduated from college. I got a job. And from there, it was I just want to be financially stable. I just want to have a good family. I got married, things were going well, I had two kids, and then all hell broke loose because I had a horrible four-year divorce where oh. I literally lost everything. Oh, wow. I had to move in with my parents, and finally, when I was 40 years old, my divorce ended, I was able to kind of get back into a financial st stability. I do remember, Chris, and I have to share this with you. I remember going to sit with the attorney and I said, you know, I'm trying to get divorced. And he's, you are the classic example of a domestic violence abuse victim. And I was like, what? Me? A, I'm a working professional. I don't think you got that right. And he didn't, he got it right. But it was a lot of recovery, a lot of self-learning, a lot of personal development. That's when I started to get into personal development because I needed help and I came out of it on the other side, a much better person. But now I had these two little kids that I was solely responsible for. My kids were four and six at the time. And that's when I realized, okay, I have to make more money. I have to figure out how to make more money. So I'm in the insurance industry and 
at that time, I was able to recover my career back and just kind of focus. I was a top performer and I'm sitting at my desk and thinking any day now, someone's going to notice my hard work. <laughs> any day now, they're going to come and tap me on the shoulder. And you're right. They didn't. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is going on? So finally, I took the courage, I summoned the courage to go mm -hmm. talk to some executives. And when I said, hey, you know what, I, I, I'm ready to step into a leadership position. They were like, really? I'm like, yes, really? What do you mean? Really? Like, I'm a top performer. And they were like, you never said anything. I was like, oh, my gosh, how could I have never said anything before? Yeah. I couldn't believe it. So that that is why I'm here today, Chris, because mm. I know that I held myself back mm. unintentionally. You know, again, I was the one that had to figure things out for me in my life because my parents, they didn't know the they didn't have the wherewithal to figure out what a college credit was. Mm. So so that was what started me on my trajectory. And that is why I'm so passionate today about empowering women to mm -hmm. have their custom career roadmap so that whenever that opportunity shows up, they are ready. So that's a little bit about my, my life story. There you go. What an amazing story and journey. I mean, these are the stories that we learn from the owner's manual life, as I call them. And that's how we improve each other and, and go, yeah, we, we, I should do that too. Give us different epiphanies. Do you find that, you know, women's nature is not, you know, men are, we're very overt. We're very, well, we're leadership based and masculine. We're, you know, we're very loud and obnoxious. Let's put it that way. And women are a little bit more soft and demure. Do you find that that's one of the reasons that women don't speak up or like you did didn't and and you know saying hey i i'd I like to see the table yeah absolutely a lot of it is just obviously how we're socialized right you know it's just like you know, you've you've heard this a million times where girls are pretty and boys are you know robust and you know they're go-getters but really one of the other things that i have figured out is that parents especially in today's day and age where parents are helicoptering their kids so hard, they're not allowing their kids to solve their problems, to think mm -hmm. for themselves. And I mean, I honor, you know, what parents try to do for their, for their children. But I think one of the reasons why women come into the workplace and not have that confidence is because we don't instill the problem solving, the figure it out, the it's okay to fail. Mm -hmm. So I am most definitely not on board with the everybody gets a trophy because it's it it really it we're we're doing a disservice to our kids from that perspective. So mm -hmm. one of the things that when I was in in my executive position, I was in charge of the new higher college graduate onboarding process. So they became full-time employees. And one of the things I did, I made sure to do is pull the women aside and say, you need to be aware of how you're speaking. Don't speak in questions, speak in statements, don't say sorry, you know, things like that. Just little tips and tricks that are like, wow, I never thought about that at that young age. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, there's so many things that we can do in conversations like these that make women aware of things such as 
men, like you said, men are built differently. Men may apply for a job having 50% of the skills. Hewlett Packard did that study many, many years ago. And women may wait till they have 100% of the skills to yeah. apply for that same okay. job. Mm-hmm. So by the time they apply for that job, number one, they're overqualified. And number two, the job's gone because someone else applied for it already. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just doing th- things like that can be life-changing. Yep. The world is, the universe is a meritocracy. It's the, it goes to the go-getters. If you sit back, it, it goes right by you. That's, that's how the universe works. It's, it's a survival game of the fittest. And if you want to achieve, lead, it, it go places, do things, you've got to chase the, chase the carrot, if you will, I guess. Exactly. One thing you talk about, you've got a questionnaire that I find quite interesting. And I think you offer this to people that go to your website. You talk about, Recognizing and aligning your five core values with your professional aspiration. Do you want to delve into a little bit about what that means? And I don't think I know what my five core values are. (laughs) Yeah, my five core values, like the very first one is seek fulfillment. So these are five core values that I think are so important to me. And they're my guiding light in both my business and my personal life. But just so... If In case anybody doesn't know what a core value, the easiest way for me to explain it is if health, being healthy, is one of your core values, you're not going to go get a job with a tobacco company because a tobacco company, they know that their product causes cancer. So there is a misalignment in the core values. So my core values are seek fulfillment that's the mm-hmm. number one seek fulfillment keep learning mm-hmm. having fun is one of my core values chris because we get so busy in our lives that having fun is one of the things that i really am intentionally working on this year and then there's a couple of and so one of them is like taking action Mm -hmm. And then community, giving back. Giving back is one of my biggest ones because that's where I have fun and that's where I'm fulfilled. When I talk to people about their careers, when they're stuck and I can give them one or two ideas on what they can do to move the needle forward, that's my happy place. There you go. And I I think one of the great things about what's going on in the shift in employment and and the power coming back to employees is their ability to be able to choose more of what they want based upon their core values. It seems, you know, things have shifted quite a bit here with a lot of the gen, well, it's the baby boomers and Gen Zers. Some of the Gen Zers have early retired with COVID. And so we have now a lack of employees in this country. And that's why employees now have the power back to do what they want, find what they want. And I think even more so like Gen Z, you know, they're more interested in, you know, helping the world and finding, you know, something that really motivates them. And, you know, they have their, they have their own little sort of generational, they're not a monolith, but they have their own sort of generational ideas. I think it was Jodie Foster who said she wasn't happy working with them recently. (laughs) 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 I thought it was funny because I'm like, thanks. Glad you said that me. But they're wonderful people. And, but yeah, they're going to change the whole workforce and how they want. Millennials did the same thing. I mean, millennials with phones and social media and all this stuff. And, and uh, it'll be interesting, but, you know, having something that, 
is more to your core value where you can be happy with your work, where you can do work that matters, where you can do work that, I mean, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, I've, I've owned and invested a lot of companies since I was 18, and there's nothing that's ever been worse for me when I was in a company that made millions of dollars, hundreds of employees, and I hated every moment of it. Mm-hmm. which is weird. And people would bounce up to me and annoy me about it. And they'd bounce up to me and go, you know, it's so great, Chris, that you're a CEO and you get to do what you like and blah, 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 blah. And, and I just be like, and I tell them, I just be like, I hate this company. I hate doing this. The only reason I do it is because I'm CEO and I'm an investor and, and I like innovating and I like making things work and being the guy. But other than that, I really hate this company. <laughs> Mm, yes yes we had a lot of companies and not all of them were my favorites and you know then they would say what would would you really like to go do chris and i'm like i I don't know i'd like to get a ranch in wyoming get a bunch of wolves and dogs and huskies and just go live on that that's that's pretty much what my whole peak is for retirement and uh, because i'm sick of people at this point pretty much except for you of course (laughs) of course but I love them. But, you know, I mean, find, I, I didn't find what I love. And even with our podcast for the first 10 years, it was kind of a labor of work. And then at COVID, we switched paradigms and said, I'm going to just have guests on. We're going to talk about what I want to talk about, everything and anything, mm. shit that matters in life. And now I love what I do. I, I mean, I, I do this job. I pretty much do this job for free when it works out. But I, I do this job. I'll do this job when I'm like 80 years old. You'll have to prop me up at the senior citizen's home and put me <laughs> in front of a mic. And hopefully I'm still funny and I know my own name. But I'll do this job forever. I love it. I love talking to people. I'm, I'm always interested in their stories and their life. And so finding something that aligns with your core values and makes you happy, it's the difference between work and just enjoying living. I don't think this is work half the time. So Absolutely. And you know the statistic where people, 80% of people are not engaged in the work that they do. And to me, that's just so sad because you're at work, you know, seven, eight hours a day, and you're just like going through the motions instead of, how about having a little bit of joy with the work that you do, (laughs) having some fun, really being in the moment, being present, you know, all of those things. And I also love the work that I do. I love empowering women. I love talking to them. I love helping them. When I'm, you know, working on my content creation, I'm in my happy place. And it's like hours later, I'm still working. I'm like, oh, I got to stop working. I got to go have some fun. But also like taking care of ourselves. You know, we're so focused on the work that we forget to actually get mm-hmm. up and stretch and go take water and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you find something that you love and it's rewarding work. And like you said earlier, the younger generations, they're not necessarily working. They're not necessarily in it to make six figures or eight, seven figures, whatever. They're in it to travel, to buy technology and buy shoes. I read an article that those are the three things that they're interested in. Not so much buying real estate. Mm. They're interested in the shoes and the technology and travel. So yeah, very, very interesting and different dynamics from when I was, you know, coming up in the corporate shoes. World. I don't know. I know there's a generation that's buying those Stanley cups, like they're investing. Yes. So oh, yes. I don't know. I just saw one for, there was a pink one for 250 bucks that was being sold and people were fighting over them at Target like they do on Walmart to Black Fridays. Oh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like, it's a cup. Yeah. 
What do I know? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand these things. I'm an old Gen Xer, and I just stand on the lawn and spray people with a hose like Clint would <laughs> get off my lawn. But I love them. They're going to change the world, and I need them yeah. to because I want my Social Security paid, please. <laughs> One other thing you talk about, your big why. What is the big why for people? You know, the big why is the main reason why you want to do well in the world your dreams. It could be, I mean, obviously, you know, dreams are very personal, but it could be your children, your family. It could be getting out of debt. You know, a lot of women, they value that financial stability a lot. Men, you know, value their cars and their toys and things like that. So, it depends on where you are in life too, because 30 years ago, my big why was, you know, getting ready to start a family when my kids were around, you know, when they were young and I was divorced, it was like shelter. I need to make enough money to put shelter over their heads and feed them and know that they have everything that they need. Now, as I'm, as I've gotten older, now my big why is, okay, what is the purpose of my life? What is, what is it that I'm here for? And I know that my purpose is to empower as many women as possible so that they can step into their leadership roles with that confidence, with that conviction, and with clarity. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There you go. That I mean, it, it's so important to have some paradigms to write down. If you just go and attack work, well, I'm sure if I do all the work, I'll get acknowledgement and do the right things. I'll, I'll get promoted. There's so much more to that, especially in a, you know, a, working in an environment is a business is 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 political. There's community. You know, I mean, one of the reasons men usually lift to the top of businesses because we're we're good at tribing up and clubbing up you've got to be able to get into those tribes you've got to be able to play the tribal game of that you know i i think one of the biggest challenges that women run into and i think this is cited well i read this geez in the 90s with harvard business review is is sometimes their competitive nature to undercut other women makes it so they don't tribe up well do you see a lot of that in the workforce now you know what? So first of all, there's that famous quote by Madeline Albright. There's mm-hmm. a special place in hell for women that don't help other women. And I wholeheartedly believe that because if you're a woman and you're not helping other women, you should go to hell. <laughs> it's just like, that's just the bottom line because don't hold back I, here. Yeah. Oh gosh. No, I am extremely passionate about this. If I didn't really see it a lot in where where I was working, but I mm-hmm. have heard that, especially in the executive roles, in the C-suite levels, you know, where yeah. women don't want to help other women. But the the fact is, Chris, that there's abundance in the world. Yeah. There's enough yeah. for all of us to go yeah. around. You've got to think and, from abundance mindset. Exactly. And so... When someone comes to you and asks for help, just help them. Give them everything that you Uh, have, your knowledge, your wisdom, because they, in turn, are going to then pay it forward to someone else. So I'm a big believer of paying it forward, community, group learning, and helping each other. There you go. I mean, it's, it's, it's always interesting to me, and I think a lot of guys go through this, but when women come home from work, you hear about the competitive nature at work and the undercutting and the, and the 
you know, it's just, it's, there's a lot of drama. As guys, we hear it and we just go, Jesus, what kind of things are going on in your work, eh? And, and, and you can see why it's, it's self sabotages. Yes. And, 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 and like I said, I, I read a long time ago in Harvard Business Review that one of the reasons women were having trouble breaking through the, um, through the glass ceiling was because they didn't tribe up with each other like men. Like men will help each other. We don't care. We're not, we're not in competition for, you know, the best guy. And so, uh, we, we tribe up and help each other. I think what women have gotten really good at doing over the last few decades is they've gotten good at just becoming more masculine and becoming part of men's tribes and, and going up with men's tribes. Because usually those tribes rise through the corporations. Mm-hmm. Most of the people you find at the top of CEOs and management teams, you know, they've spent 20, 30 years rising through those. I think there's now a lot more CEOs that come from the outside, but most of those teams usually would rise in corporations. And so, yeah, if women, women could help each other and not undercut sabotage, you know, I've just, I've been privy to so many conversations, you know, dating for 35 years about yeah. what's going on at the office. You're just like, holy shit, are you guys all just ready to kill each other at the office? All you females, what's going on? Well, so, I can tell you this in the last decade, I think there's been a big shift, especially in the coaching space. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we're kids, Chris, and we have the li- little league coach and the dance coach and the piano coach and all these coaches, right? And then once you get into the corporate world, you don't talk about coaches anymore. And mm-hmm. coaching, I think over the last 10 to 15 years or so has really become the more of the norm. It's not the norm yet because when sometimes I tell I tell people I'm, you know, a high performance coach, they're like, coach, what is that? You know, mm-hmm. but I think in the in the last decade, coaching for high performance and there's life coaches, there's health coaches, all these different coaches. Now I think, and especially so many amazing, incredible women are trying to do the same type of work that I'm doing. And so I feel like for the first time in history, there's, you know, so many women and we're all kind of trying to push together at the same time and climb up that ladder together. And really when it comes to advocacy, If you attach yourself to someone that's already five or 10 years ahead of you and start building that relationship and like what you were saying, really get to know each other, build a relationship and help each other because it's not mentoring from one side, it's both sided because now the younger generation can mentor the older generation as well. But Mm -hmm. I have felt that shift where we're all now pushing together and I've seen less of that, you know, cattiness and and things like Mm -hmm. that. Obviously there's always going to be drama, but (laughs) with personal development, with high performance coaching that I do, we try to get rid of that drama and don't worry about what anybody else thinks about you. Worry about what you think about you. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Well, I'm a man. I I get it. It's, (laughs) it's, you know, we, we, as guys, we try up, we don't, we, I mean, we compete with each other, but we're, Mm -hmm. We're usually respectful to each other, but we, we, we kind of know that if, you know, we're competing with each other, we make each other better, but we're not sabotaging each other. I mean, you might run into that from time to time, but yeah, I, I think this is great. You know, I was, I was, there was a feminist, early feminist, not, not one of these latent ones, but early feminist. She was talking about how one of the things that women had in the early days in the tribal, you know, we all come from cavemen you know, caveman okay. stuff. Uh, and they talked about how one of the things that women used to have before we broke into these Levittowns sort of spreading out and not having community very well. And now we're just really isolated more than ever. But they, the women had community where they had elder women that they could sit with and they could, they could, you know, when the men were out 
killing man, woolly mammoths or where the crap was in the caveman days, the women could get together and they could communalize together. And women are very communal mm-hmm. and very social that way. And and they had the elder women who would guide them, who would teach them and 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 help them with whatever they were doing. But it was it was more of a cohesive unit. And you know, if 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 you needed childcare, you you had someone who could help you and, and stuff. And now that we live in this world where, you know, everything's really split up, you know, you don't even know your neighbors anymore like when you and I grew up, we knew our neighbors and had lunch with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you needed a babysitter, you know, usually your neighbor's person can come over, kid can come over and do that. Now we're so isolated and we don't have really any help or support. You know, if you have parents, maybe they're across the country. Yeah, I, You know, she talked about how it's harder than women ever before because they don't have that community and they don't have those elders and it's just complete competitive nature and competition as opposed to having that community. And she says that, you know, that's why stuff like when you see, you know, the March for Women, anytime women get together and do the marches and stuff like that, there's a, you see a lot of joy, she would talk about, and happiness and, and, and how they feel fulfilled. It's because they're engaging in that wonderful community that we need to have as people. Even We've even had people on that are, you know, the, the brain metaphys- meta scientists and crap. And they're like, people need to be around other people and see each other and be human beings around each other we we thrive in that we don't we don't thrive in this environment we're looking at our stupid phone all day long mm-hmm. so yeah i think it's exactly. i think it's really important and i mean and like you say coaches leading the way i think that's that's good because i hear a lot of coaches like yourself talk about that you know as women we need to quit undercutting and sabotaging each other we need to work together and support each other so Maybe yeah. you should just and, create the whole women who don't help each other go to hell campaign or something. <laughs> How about it? But, you know, so one of the things that I'm actually really passionate about is having that community and that social learning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, eventually I'm going to have a community where the one thing that I think is missing in the corporate space, you can't talk to your co-worker about the things that are happening with your boss or other co-workers. So I want to create a space where women come and can safely talk about what's happening at work with oh. no judgment, mm-hmm. with no repercussions, with nothing other than pure and unconditional support. Mm-hmm. How can we support you? How can we help you? How can we go step into that growth mindset? Because mm-hmm. as you know, many people are still in the, you know, thinking in the fixed mindset. So I want women to be aware of what their desires are, what their wants are with a growth mindset, with a their, their custom career roadmap. Because like you said earlier, we can't let our careers be on autopilot. If yeah. you leave your career on autopilot, you are not going to get to where you want to get to, to, to accomplish the dreams that we started out, you know, talking about at the beginning of this conversation. There you go. And creating that community, I think is so important because that's what guys do. We create a community, you know, we go out to, we go out to the bars and hang out and have lunch after work. And, you know, we, we build a tribe and we go fight in a tribe and, you know, we're, we're really big on loyalty trust mm-hmm. honor honesty i mean those are those are the axioms of what we do because we know that if we can't trust someone or if we see that they're weak that's why guys haze each other and test each other is because we know that if someone's weak they're going to get us killed in battle or fighting the woolly mm-hmm. mammoth and so we have to have people that we can trust honor loyalty all these axioms that are masculine that we have to have and if we don't have them 
we know that it's dangerous to us and, and of course, the tribe as a whole and the community totally. that we defend. So, you know, if women can, you know, somehow build communities under that basis, like you say, where they can feel safe and stuff like that, I think that would be great. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of amazing communities out there where women, but you know what, Chris, I think the biggest difference, we talked about, you know, being isolated and, but if you're looking for a good community, you can find it. You have to do your research, you have to go either on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, but if you are looking for it, you can find it. And also, another thing is, you've heard this, like, your mindset is, based on the five immediate people that you have around you. So if you have toxic people in your life, you don't have to cut them out, but you can maybe curb the amount of time that you spend with them, you know? So you need to get out of that, you know, situation. But there's a, a lot of amazing communities out there for women that if they're looking for support, it's out there. They just have to go out and seek it. There you go. And make sure you give as much as you get, you know, like you were saying, you know, if you don't help other women go to hell, you know, the one thing, even as men, when we look at our tribes and when we look at people who are on our teams, you know, we don't like slackers. We don't like the weaker end of the thing. We don't like the person who's always taking more than giving at the table. You know, we have ways that we test and we and we we vie for that, or we that's, that's not the other word, but we haze for that basically. Mm. That's why we give each other a lot of crap. Men do, and women are like, "What are you guys doing? You guys are really you you punched him in the arm." And it's like, yeah, that's because we're cool with each other. <laughs> They're like, "Well, I don't I don't understand what you people are doing at all." But you know, so those are important. Trust, honesty. You know, we we have to have those things, those axioms, at least for the most part. Unless you're Julius Caesar, then that doesn't work out well. But I'll be had it for a short while. They trusted him for a while, and then he, I don't know, he screwed up somewhere. I don't know. So tell us about what you offer on your website. I see several things that people can do with you, and how they can onboard speaking, coaching, resume writing, podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, sure. So the biggest thing that I am is I'm a, I shouldn't say the biggest, the the most important thing that I do is I said empower women, but I do that in, in several different ways. One of those is to do speaking engagements. So I go and I, and I'm a professional speaker. I go out and speak to different organizations and I talk about the three saboteurs that women have and we transform them into principles. Hmm. Another thing that I do is we do resumes. One of the things that I said earlier is you have to be ready for that opportunity. If you don't have your resume ready, if you don't have your story vault, then you're not going to be ready for that interview. So we offer resume services. Hmm. Another thing is, and I'm going to start doing this probably in April, I'm going to do group coaching because that social learning, Chris, is so important. And we're going to kick off with creating your custom career roadmap. And with that, we're going to talk about your big why we're going to talk about your goals, we're going to talk about mindset. But we're also going to talk about how the language that you use is so impactful. Mm -hmm. Because if you and I said this earlier, if you're not catching yourself in how you speak, if you're speaking in questions, if you're apologizing all the time, and if you're not using strong language to convey your accomplishments, then people are not going to see you as the leader that you want to be. Mm -hmm. And when you work on your 
career with a career roadmap, a custom career roadmap for you, again, that boosts your confidence, that really aligns and you start advocating for yourself. And then when you start doing that, then opportunities show up because you're now empowering yourself. So the career roadmap is again, another group coaching course that I do. And I do private one-on-one coaching for high performance. So those are just a few of the things that I offer. There you go. And how can people onboard with you? How do they reach out and handshake and see if there's a fit? Yeah, they can go easily go to my website. There's different ways that they can reach out to their me, but on the homepage in the very front, they can just click, you know, connect with me and it'll take them to my calendar and we can set up a strategy call. And the strategy call is an hour of us digging deep into a variety of things. And I will give them a couple, two or three ideas that, that they can implement immediately. Because when you're a high performer in your entire life, then your career automatically goes with it. There you go. It, it, it definitely matters. I I started realigning the f- close five people that surround me this year. I set a new goal. Some of my friends have kind of spun out onto different things, and 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 I'm going some different places over the last year. So I think that's it's so important. The people, if you've got a bunch of you got a bunch of people that maybe aren't going the way you're going, and mm-hmm. or maybe they have some you know negative negative Nancyisms to them, where they're yes, you know, I. I find this, it's really interesting because I always have a creative and designing and building, constructing sort of mindset. And so I don't have a lot of negative-isms, although, I don't know, maybe if you hang out with me long enough, you'd be like, you're a negative Nancy, Chris. But I don't know, people, I'll let people in the audience judge. But I I approach things from a from a positive sort of view. And I was noticing this recently when I, I, I was noticing people joining one of the groups that I have, and they would come in and their first step into the group would be, just to try and say something snide or negative about the group and their opinion. And I'm like, really, this is your first handshake. This is what you're going to do. You're going to just try and talk down about what you see here. And instead of approaching it from a positive aspect, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll see people that would try. I was talking about this on Facebook recently. I'll see, you know, for decades, we have people troll us on YouTube and be like, Oh, you know, you suck. And I'm, and you're horrible at interviewing or your guest is horrible. And, you know, and I'm like, that guest was actually really good. And the interview was really good. I, re- I remember it. Cause I know the ones that aren't, I, I don't like when I'm not on, on peak. And, uh, and so I'll be like, well, maybe they know something I don't. And then I'll go to their YouTube channel and they got nothing. (laughs) They got got no videos. They got no attempts to try and make production good. You know, if it came from somebody who is, you know, somebody who's really good at what they do and I could go learn from them, I would. But it's always funny how that negative stuff comes from people that they're not doing anything. And and a lot of it's probably just jealousy that you're doing something they're not. That sounds a bit catty, doesn't it? Well, but I agree with you because I always wonder, it's like, what made you actually take time out of your day to write that nasty thing to somebody that you don't even know? Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm a nobody. I can't imagine how the, you know, actors and actresses feel that they're in the limelight and they get all this mm-hmm. cattiness, tabloids and stuff like that, lot, flat out lies about them. And I was like, 
I will never understand that. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then I got thinking about it and I'm, I was thinking about, I saw, I seen a guy recently on Facebook who was doing these, you know, doing the TikTok thing where he's explaining business and, and, and stuff directly into the camera. The audio was awful. He had no mic and it was bouncing around the room and it, you know, it sounded like he was kind of talking to people in a hall, which, you know, mentally makes my audio brain go gaga and, and so, you know, I could have wrote something really awful and trolling in his comments, like, you're dumb. You don't know business because you don't have a mic. But instead, because I have come from that positive, that creativity thing, and the, the non-scarcity mindset of uh, rising tide lifts all boats, instead, I wrote him privately. And I said, hey, man, I, I see what you're trying to do on those videos. You're, you're really doing a great job, but you got to tweak one thing. I go, here's some suggestions on where to buy some good mics that you can use. And he thanked me. He's oh, thanks, man. And uh, and then now when I watch his videos, I don't have to endure that. But uh, yeah. so it was a bit self-serving, I suppose, in some way. But no, it's you help other people, you know. And that, I think that's what leaders do. We lift each other up. Yes, you know. And uh, that's the whole difference. Give us your final thoughts and pitch out on people to contact you as we go out. Yeah, I just want women, especially the younger women, to take action. If, you know, and people have heard this, you know, knowledge is power, but everybody knows knowledge is power, but without action, it's not getting you anywhere. So the biggest thing is making sure that you have a career roadmap, whatever it is, take time to look into who you're hanging out with at work, what you can actually do for the business. It's not just about you. It's about what can you do for the business? If you talk to your manager and you say, hey, how can I help you meet your goals? Their ears are going to perk up and they're going to be like, wait, what? You want to help me meet my goals instead of you asking me for something? <laughs> so again, in the spirit of giving Giving back. It's not just about you. We want these businesses to be successful. So we need to help them be successful. It's about the abundance mindset. And again, the biggest thing is being aware of what you're doing, what you're not doing, and getting out there and taking action. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Help other people, man. Lift each other up. You know, a rising tide lifts all boats. When when a country or people or a company or employees get into the scarcity mindset, you know, you're just cutting up everything, trying to figure out who gets what. And and when you live in 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 a in an abundance mindset, you realize that there are things that are created. There's there's revenue and there's there's opportunities that get created there's as the company grows becomes whatever you know if you're growing you're if unless your company's growing you're dying so if you're just sitting around trying to split hairs over everything well good luck because that's just going to spiral thank you very much for coming on the show rosie we've had a lot of fun on the conversation hopefully educate a lot of people thank you very much chris and again they can go to my website no woman left behind and there's my calendars right on there there you go. Thanks you very much to our team audience for being on the show, our team audience for being on or listening on the show. I, I'll get it right somewhere in here. Uh, it's, it's almost 2000 shows. People give me a break. Uh, the brain's going already. The Alzheimer's kicking in clearly. We appreciate you guys being on the show. Go to goodreads.com for just Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com for just Chris Foss, Chris Foss, one of the TikTokity, Chris Foss, Facebook.com. Be good to each other. Stay safe and we'll see you guys next time.